Welcome to Soaring with Eagles with your host, Crystal Richardson, a.k.a. Sergeant K. Each week, we hear from Crystal and her successful guests as they share their triumphs, tragedies, tools, and secrets for living a full life complete with financial freedom laced with fun and fulfillment. Crystal takes a controversial and edgy approach to unveil interesting facts about millionaires, billionaires, and game changers, and how they have accomplished life success while giving back. Now, here is Crystal Richardson. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to our show today. We're happy to be with you again on uh, the show. And right now, today, we have a very extremely important guest Really happy to have him on. He is the CEO, the executive director for the Napoleon Hill Foundation. Welcome this morning, Don Green. How are you? I'm great, Crystal. I'm glad to be with you. Glad to be with you, too. So uh, for those who are watching online, uh, we just want them to to know that uh, we're have. As you know, we have been doing a lot in relation to providing information and insight from various portions of the Napoleon Hill uh, teachings, and to have Don on today is an extreme, extreme honor. So thank you for being with us, Don. It's my pleasure. All right. So um, you might, you can maybe just back up from the camera just a little bit so that we can, there you go. That That's perfect. That's perfect. All right. So uh, Don is a resident of Wise, Virginia, and that is where the Napoleon Hill uh, Foundation is uh, at the university there. And one of the things that we want to just talk about, first of all, is uh, just understanding what does it mean to you to be the executive director? I know that that is a, a common question that you get. We're going to get into some specifics about Napoleon Hill, as well as some specifics about your life and your books and things that you're doing. But first, I just want to start out with uh, your position as the CEO of the Napoleon Hill Foundation. So, so you've been in this position for how long now? I'm in my 20th year. The 20th year. Wow. And your assistant has been with you, is, is it that whole time? Almost. He, he, my sister's been with me 10, ten years. Um, no, he's only been full-time two years. I heard him in a, when he was in the eighth grade, <laughs> believe it or not, and uh, paid him, what I think, well. And he worked for me through high school, through college, mm-hmm. finished college in three years. And he's worked full-time for two years. During that time, he's got his MBA mm-hmm. in accounting. So he's he's 24, but he's been with me 10 years. And oh, I wow. His grandmother worked for me for seven, seven, 18 years, I guess. And previous to that, she worked for me at the bank. I was a bank president for almost 20 years before I took. I did this job. We sold the bank, and it was a good mm-hmm. transition. Oh wow, that's awesome! That's awesome. So yeah, I think you. Were, I was speaking about the grandmother. So yeah, she she worked for you for all that time as well. So you were in banking, and what made you want to do this transition from going from banking to what you're doing with the Napoleon Hill Foundation? Well, you, you know, some sometimes our shelf don't come in. We might have to swim out where it is. Uh, the bank was founded by a bunch of guys who had, uh, and we'd done extremely well. I, I took the bank when it was all, uh, literally broke. I mean, literally broke. They came in to close it. Uh, but I was an optimist. I was a vice president of a major bank uh, holding company, and I was offered a job as a, as a president of the bank. And I guess I was naive enough that I thought I could could succeed with hard work. 
and uh, did we ever succeed it beyond our dreams. So I was there almost 20 years. The guys, the original guys that founded the bank were, well, some of them had even passed on. And uh, they saw an opportunity to sell the bank, and I had a lot of talk. And uh, I was already a board member of the Napoleon Hill Foundation and had a chance. He uh, only had one other CEO. He'd been there 18 years, and he was in ill health and couldn't travel. And so they were looking for someone, and I didn't ask for the job. And I said, well, you know, I could do it when I complete the sale of the bank. I got a contract with them when I complete the sale of the bank. So mm-hmm. I just went from – um, I worked that arrangement. I agreed not to go work for a competitor if they'd continue my salary for another year or so. I, I worked from a Friday to Monday. I started with a, a foundation, and I moved it from uh, uh, Northbrook, Illinois, um, uh, suburb of Chicago, I guess, to Wise, Virginia, because I didn't want to relocate. And <laughs> so it was uh, it was delightful. I mean, I, you know, little books and uh, I guess I was uh, understood Napoleon Hill pretty good. I'd read him a lot and a lot, and he's from this area. And so I saw a chance to uh, uh, to help students, particularly because I remember Zane's grandmother asked me, she said, what do you think you, you're going to do? I originally, my office was in a dry cleaner zone. I was an entrepreneur, I guess. I had cable TV, and I'd done spring water, and I did real estate development. I did lots and lots and lots of things, I guess, just because I could. Right. And um, she asked me one day what I was going to do, and I said, well, it doesn't look like much. I spent uh, less than $100 for a telephone and a fax built in from Walmart. This is before the Internet. This is your uh, getting close to the year 2000. And so uh, I said, well, first thing I want to do is I'd like to set up a million-dollar scholarship for the college. And I asked her later. Uh, did she believe me? She said, yeah, I work with you long enough to bank to know that you did what you said. So it's been a lot of fun. We have over 500 foreign publishers, and we've turned out an, a, a tremendous number of books from Hill's unpublished uh, writings, uh, speeches, magazines, and so forth, and we'll continue. And like I said, we have over 500 foreign publishers, and we sell our course material in foreign countries. Uh, uh, we're probably in, I don't know, another count of, but probably in 50 different countries. They teach our material. I told so you. That. All of the books, the main books, have been translated into the 50 different languages? Yeah, ever, ever, it could be conceivable. I bid you ask that. I counted the uh, Outwit and the Devil, which has been out nine years, and it's, it's in 41 languages, that one book. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, we do books in Iran, Iraq, Afghanistan. Uh, Armenia, Macedonia, Ukraine, Belarus, Slovenia, Slovak, places I didn't even, didn't exist when I was in school. So, right. so yeah, it's it, and and they and they they sent us a a a, a, a couple of um, books and um, one of the little college girls, uh, Zane's sister, as a matter of fact, worked for me six years. She had the idea we display the books, and so. The room filled up with shelves of foreign books, with them sending us two for each book, because we did literally thousands. So we didn't want to tell them to stop doing it, so we just started boxing them up and taking them to storage. And so someday, maybe somebody will come by and say they want something published in Armenia or, or uh, one of the Indian dialects or something or another. So mm-hmm. we just throw the books away. So occasionally, we have occasions sometimes that 
to give uh, give some of the books away that people can uh, people can use. And we give. Well, yeah, that's just amazing. I, I really appreciate the fact that uh, the book is actually in so many languages. But even with that, there's still so many people who have not heard of Napoleon Hill or his teachings. And so uh, what what things is the foundation doing to to help get the message out? Well, we continue to teach the course. And um, I, one of the business professors, I organized a class here. I call it Keys to Success. I didn't okay. I can grow rich, but I taught it free for 12 times when I was a bank president. I taught it as an I course. They sent me a check. I would sign it and give it to my secretary, and she would mail it back to them. I know I didn't want to take any money. Drawing a bank's president's salary and taking for teaching the course. I just believed in the course, in the course material. And, um, of course, um, I was teaching it before I ran the foundation. Uh, you know, okay. I, I taught those years when I was in a, still in banking business. And, um, well, you know, one of the professors at college told me, said, Don, there's a lot of people don't know who Napoleon Hill is. I said, I told him, I said, uh, Doc, you can probably pick the next 10 students you see here on campus, and they can't tell us both who the, their state's two U.S. senators are. You know, I mean, people, with all the communications we have, a lot of people are just right. not informed. You know, I'm sure these people could not tell you who the vice president of the United States is. Uh, so, but we do reach a lot of people. Uh, he's been Googled on the internet 60 some million times. So we do know he's more popular. He died in 1970. So, you know, he's been gone 49 years. So he's much more popular today than he was when he was, was when he, when he died. And his, mm -hmm. books, and his books don't go out, you know, like uh, success, so positive male attitude. I can remember it really because I just got a royalty check, a good royalty check published in 1960. And, uh, how many books do you know that was published in 1960 are still in print? All of Hill's books were in print. His books, right. they don't go out of print. And it's what the publishing industry says, a long shelf life. I mean, I've got friends that write novels and so forth in the publishing business. And basically, they got to do a book every couple of years or so. Because, I mean, you read a novel, and I would, try to, I would try to explain it to you. You read a novel, and you find out if the boy got the girl, did the uncle die and leave him money or what happened? And you have to almost read the last page. You know, you've been reading all this material, two, three hundred pages. You don't really know what's happened until the very end. Right. In our books, our self-help books, you read the books and you write your own ending. You write your own life. And that's the difference. Yeah. And part of it, too, is, you know, just with all of the different principles and how they're outlined, it's it's where I mean, you're actually supposed to read them over and over and, and see how you can apply the principles to your life every day, not just related to success with with money, but but in your life. So I really, really like the the technique, I guess I would say, and how the how the books were written and in Think and Grow Rich with all of the various principles uh, you can continue to go back exactly like what you said and learn more and see more every single time that you read it. Well, I've told, I was told by, that Steve Harvey's read the book 25 times. I have one friend who's got the largest minority owned cosmetic company in the, in the, in the world, Joe Dudley. He told me he's read the book 300 times. And I mean, he's a special case. I mean, he's 87 years old, I believe. You said 300 times? 300 times. In wow. Fact, fact is, he finished bottom of his class. His sister finished first. He had a speech impediment, uh, and he's, he told the college kids here, and I saw him wiping her, the little girl wiping her eyes. 
saddest day in his life when he was 17 years old and his girlfriend said, Joe would never be able to get married. He said, why? She said, I'm afraid that our children would be retarded. She had a speech impediment, was, and that's not your brain. And uh, I wonder if the little girl wonders about him that now. Joe goes around in a chauffeur-driven limousine, and he's given away millions and millions of dollars for the African-American uh, uh, kid. In fact, he went to Africa and set up a cosmetic company with Nelson Mandela. And mm-hmm. he got thousands of employees, and Joe just walked away and said, it's all yours. I just wanted to help the people. Uh, wow. so, we hear those stories all the, t- all the time. And I get a question, well, saying, well, I read the book uh, 10 years ago. Why should I read it again? I said, maybe you're smarter than I am. I learned my ABCs not the first time. I missed some of them. So there's it's, it's several reasons. The more we repeat something, other, it becomes a part of our subconscious. I bet you if I said, Crystal, what's six times six? You'd say 36, and nobody might have asked you that since the sixth grade. Because once we repeat enough, it tends to become a part of our subconscious. But the other part is, reason we go back and read it is, if you read Thinking Groups 20 years ago and you read it today, you're not the same person. The right. Ma- that was what I was going to say. It depends on where you are in your life. Right. You, the material's not changed, but you have. You've associated with other people. You've formed opinions. You've read other books. And so uh, it uh, the, the message is the same. But the way it gets interpreted, because some people read the book and say it's not about money. Well, let's see. The the original, here's an original 37 edition. It says, up top for men and women who resent poverty. And in that book he said, he wrote in 37, he said, he wrote the book for the millions of men and women who were living in poverty and fear of poverty. So it was about, it was about, it was about money. But the principles are the same. I mean, he's got the chapter on desire. Uh, he's got six steps to riches. He's not necessarily just talking about money. It's just accomplishment. You know, it's mm-hmm. a it's a purpose, a starting point, his plans, his persistence, and and uh, and so forth. So it does apply. But he wrote it during a depression, which would only be natural to have. You know, if you're hungry, what well, you think about the food. You know, if you right. don't have any money, you think about money. So it was. But like us, all, all of us, he changed as he went along. He saw there was more to happiness than just accumulating money because he had saw people that was not happy that accumulated money. So the last book published before he died was Grow Rich with Peace of Mind. Mm-hmm. And, and he listed economic security is down sometimes as low as 10th or 12th place, uh, not the most important thing. But at different stages in our life, uh, money means different things to us. Uh, you know, first, food, clothing, and shelter are primary. And, uh, that, that's what we got on mine. But in our later years, and the fact is, I wrote that in a book that's coming out November the 12th with uh, St. Martin's Press. It's called Discover the Path to Riches. It's all based on Napoleon Hill. But, you know, I can give you a short list. And there's four uses of money, and I've read thousands, thousands of books. Okay, I don't mean it to break. I just said I've read a lot. And right. I've read stacks and stacks of books just on poverty. You know, why, why does poverty exist? Uh, but these four uses of money, and the first one is food, clothing, and shelter. Eisenhower reminded us if that's all we want out of life, that's what the people in prison get. They get food, clothing, and shelter. Life is more than that. The second use of money is for, I would call it a rainy day. We're not always <laughs> going to be able to work. Either employer don't like us or our health reason or whatever, and so it, we need some money. And the third use of money is what I call leading a good life. You could be going to Canada without some money. 
that you couldn't go out to the finest restaurants. And, and if someone says Crystal, there's a new restaurant in town said, uh, uh, it's really something. Everybody's bragging on it. And Crystal says, yeah, I'm out here and it's real expensive. And I'll have to wait till the first of the month to get my check. That's not leading a good life. That's right. And the fourth use is, if you've accomplished number one, number two, number three, you still got money. You can, you can change. You can do things of your own choosing. You don't have to. But if your passion is to help St. Jude, your church, your grandkids, your school, or, or ever what, you've still got money. But most people, they never get that far. They never get to number four. And it's because they didn't do the right things when they was providing for number one. They didn't provide for number two. And uh, so they never got to complete uses of money. I mean, because money is just a tool. Same money it buys a bed or what our drugs are called or whatever. It's the same money could uh, pay a, a kid's tuition or buy them some books. Uh, so yes, yeah, so I want I want I want to just touch on a few of those points before we go on our first break. And so uh, you mentioned uh, the good life, and and I actually have a, a book called uh, Into the New uh, that will be coming out in another week or so. And uh, part of it is is related to the good life. It's talking about mindset. And mindset is everything. And I think Napoleon Hill, with all of what he has done, and even with the, the books that you've mentioned that, that you've written, you know, based on his teaching, it's, it's all about your mind and the mindset. And so persistence and the burning desire, all of those things, you know, formulate thoughts in your mind. So is there any, anything that you can give us as far as a nugget, uh, a short nugget before we go to our first break related to uh, mindset? Well, the first three words in the book are thoughts or things. Right. Yeah, yeah, you know, and that's where, that's the beginning, uh, that's the beginning of all of it. But what I think, and probably I don't know what percentage of people that don't get what adequate they should out of it. And, and it's a word, action. Action is used in the book 77 times in thinking. Mm -hmm. So it's not only having ideas and having thoughts, it's making plans and put the plans into action. Mr. Stone, their chairman, was a billion, I think he was a billionaire, gave away $450 million or something before he died. I remember him being in his 90s. And he used the term all the time, just do it. You know, just, right. just having an ideas themselves are worthless unless you do something with them. Right. And um, I appreciate that. And, and I, I noticed that as well, you know, that it, it comes with the fact that there's exercises, there's things that you have to do in order to put the principles in practice principles into practice. And so uh, in my show, uh, I talk about doing a lot. And a lot of people have hopes and dreams and desires, but, but what are they doing about it? And so I really, really like the fact that, you know, all of the teachings come with, you know, how can you actually put those in place? Well, that's what we say. I've, I've got uh, seven, I believe, talks that was on tape and I've converted to CDs so I can listen to them. Mm -hmm. uh, I'll at least publish the audios where I do it in the book, and uh, they were how-to, because that's what he always said in his literature. He just didn't tell you about the stuff. He told you how-to. In other words, he wrote one of them. One of them is how to form a positive mental attitude, how to form a winning personality, and so forth, how, and um, how to go the extra mile and so forth. It, it's a how-to that's, uh, that's important, and, it, and the information is great. It's great to read about it, but the application of it, is the is the and seeing what the, the payback is um, is what is what's really what's really important. But right. I used I used a book in class, but I remember when I talked to class, I 
it, uh, it was said, the book, well, I don't remember the author, but the book was said, what do you say when you talk to yourself? And of course, we're talking about auto-suggestion. The most important conversation we have in our life we'll ever have is the ones we have with ourselves. For example, one of your coworkers could look at you and says, Crystal, you're not dressed right. You could tell your, you could let it bother you, or you, or you could tell yourself, "Well, look at her," and uh, and uh, but when you don't, you don't, you got the right to not believe someone else who tells you something that you don't necessarily agree with. But when Crystal gets up and says, "I'm not dressed proper," you're dead in the water. You know, when we start giving ourselves negative uh, uh, self-talk, especially when we take in believing, don't do nothing about it, and uh, because we tend to believe ourselves, you know, and we hear stuff saying. I could never do that. I could never do that. And I think it goes back to our childhood uh, when a parent said, for, for example, you might say to your parents, well, I give anything, I go to Harvard. And if a typical parent would say, well, are, you, are you crazy, Chris? Well, you know how much it costs? We don't want right. that kind of money. Get that out of your mind. So many young people, the, the dream dies in them. And their parents don't realize that these people like us out there working and raising money and sending kids to school and they graduate and not on a our kids here at the University of Virginia, where I'm working, where my office is located, last year, according to U.S. News and World Report, they graduated with the second lowest debt load of any four-year college in the United States. Quite an accomplished. We're supposed to be in a poverty area where 55% of the students get no help from their parents whatsoever, mm-hmm. and 85% of them qualify for, uh, for federal aid. So uh, we're we're extremely proud of what we're able to accomplish for the for the young people, and uh, I, I was just going to say just to be right there with you, you know, with the foundation uh, there that that is an, an extreme opportunity that some of them probably don't even realize, you know, how how um, impactful that really can be in their life. So uh, for you to also say that they have graduated with that low of a debt, that, that's just awesome. I just want to end uh, this first segment with uh, a quote, and it has to do also with what my parents told me. Uh, they sent me to kindergarten with my little plastic briefcase and told me I could be anything I want to be and do anything I want to do, and I believe them. And so Uh, Finishing this particular uh, section with a quote uh, from Napoleon Hill about the mind is whatever the mind can conceive and believe it can achieve. So that has really come true for a lot of people related to mindset. And when we get back, we're going to talk more about uh, Don Green's uh, latest book that will be coming out next month. And we'll be right back after break. your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com Stop wasting your time on things that don't matter. Let's get to work and turn your dreams into reality. Adults, teens, people of all ages. If you are a speaker, entrepreneur, inventor, or author, contact Crystal Richardson today to get your business started, get your invention developed and launched, get your book written, and more. Crystal and the Build That Biz team are ready to catapult your ideas from dreams to reality. Call 480-227-9743. Get ready to soar. Success starts here. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. It's your world. You are listening to Soaring with Eagles with Crystal Richardson. 
Now, back to our show. Good morning, everyone, and welcome back to our show. Today, we are on with the Don Green. He is the CEO of the Napoleon Hill Foundation, and he is with us from uh, Virginia at his office there at the foundation. So we we really appreciate uh, you being with us, Don. It's my pleasure, Crystal. Thank you. So when we were on break, uh, Don was giving us a story about a, a, a monument type sign that he wanted to have put up for Napoleon Hill, and you have to be dead for a certain number of years in order for them to do that, but he didn't take no. And I want to relate that actually back to a Napoleon Hill quote uh, that he, I guess, in in my mind, put in place during that time, uh, which is uh, the time, there was one about time and the time will never be right, so so don't wait. So you, you actually didn't take no for an answer when they said that he hadn't been dead long enough. And, and then you I ran into some people who actually read the book and said that they would help get it done. And then there was the issue potentially related to even paying for it. And you said that you would pay for it. So all of the different things that came up as potential obstacles, you were persistent, which is a principle. You, you had persistence and you didn't take no for an answer. And I think that that was just phenomenal the way you, you explained how you got that done. Yeah, it didn't even end there. When uh, they got the marker put up, I called the highway department because they have a beautification program. And mm-hmm. I asked them, would they care to send people, workers down there and, and do a flower bed around the sign to make it more attractive? And a few days went by, and they called me back, and they said, Don said, there's no topsoil there. This is cold country. The land had been stripped, meaning all the rich soil had been removed, said nothing will grow. And so I happened to call my brother-in-law, who had a landscaping company, and I said, Glenn, I need you to do me a favor. I need you to haul topsoil down there on US-23 where that historical marker was put up. And so he did and spread the uh, rich soil out. I called the highway department back and told them, I said, Mr. Turner, I said, I've held dirt topsoil in there, I said, to prepare the land. Now y'all can do y'all fire program and so forth and so on. And of course, now the the ladies in local better homes and garden, they decorate the sign a couple of times a year. Like I know Napoleon Hill Day, they set out the fall months. In the spring, they set out the, they set out the flowers in the spring. So when Mr. Turner got ready to retire, I was in the bank. I was in the banking business. He called me at work one day and he said, Don, I don't know where you know it or not, but I said, I'm getting ready to retire. And I would like for you to come to my uh, dinner, retirement dinner. I came thinking, man, what's he want me at his dinner or anything? I said, well, what is it? And he told me, and I showed up. So that's when he introduced me. At the fact is, there's a plaque back there in my office. They gave me a, they gave me a plaque. But there were some other things I got done just by persistence. And he said, Don does not know the meaning of the word no. And uh, he told what what had to got accomplished. So it uh, was uh, made me feel good. We got something another done. And I, I can always see stuff like that. I can almost do nothing. I have no talent. My dad was electrician in the coal mines. I, I swear, last time I tried to change a light bulb, I cut my hand. <laughs> uh, and I can almost do nothing in the office. They won't let me hang a picture. I'm not a tech person. But I think the Lord blessed me with creativity. And right. Things. And, and creativity, you know, it, it's the use of your mind. And so some people can use their hands and be creative and others can use their, their mind. And so uh, what you did was really... It, it was putting the persistence in action and having a desire first. And, and any achievement uh, 
starts with a desire that's, you know, based on another quote from Napoleon Hill. And so you had a desire of wanting to have that particular monument up and, and you made it happen. And I talk a lot too about having a plan A, B, C, and D. And, and people ask me sometimes, well, you know, how did you think of that? Well, if something doesn't work, then you have to have where you have a backup plan. If you really want it to, to happen, then you have to continue to just push and press until it happens. And so uh, having that burning desire, having that persistence, I think is key. Now, I want you to just touch on uh, one other segment and then we will, uh, one other principle, and then I want to talk about your new book. So in this, this next segment, uh, I want to talk about, um, you know, there's the fear of poverty, the fear of, of failure. There's a number of fears that are discussed in the book. So what what do you have as far as a nugget that you can give us related to those ghosts? Mr. Stone, I can remember him because, uh, you know, he started out with $100 and, uh, and uh, ran it into hundreds of millions. But I can remember him. His lessons, and of course, he come. He's always saying, "Just do it." We we think Nike might have got that from him, mm -hmm. but, uh, but he said, "You cannot think out a problem." Okay, I mean, uh, I saw an ad uh, for a local area that had this elderly lady, and she was hoeing in her garden, and uh, and she said when uh, she was worrying, she went and hoed in her garden, and of course, what she was accomplishing, her mind can't hold two thoughts at one time. So we sit there and think and try to think our way out, think our way out. What we can uh, do is become active. It takes action to do something other than distract our mind. Uh, we did a fundraising in uh, Malaysia. Uh, happened to be over there right after the Tusami. I think at 240000 or something like that drowned. And we did a fundraising. I spoke. It was a, uh, I don't remember whether the guy was a psychiatrist or a psychologist one, but anyway, he spoke. And he was talking about people's attitude. He said he overheard a conversation between the people, and 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 one person said the other, John or what his name was. They told me you lost everything. He said, "Oh no, I didn't lose none of my family." See, it's, it's a mindset. So uh, uh, it's a, it's doing something other than action that would move it. And what he told me was that I still remember the day, and God knows how long God goes. That was it's probably fifteen years ago or something. But he said. He had never treated a person for depression that was heavily involved in trying to make a better life for other people. In other words, all of a sudden you remove your work. You know, you could sit around and say, poor little old me, I barely got a hundred. Right. I barely got a hundred thousand dollars. My neighbor down there, I know they're worth millions. And, and you know, and you and it won't do you no good. It wasn't do you no good. It won't do your mind any good. And so, our creativity, I think, comes from us when uh, when we have peace of mind. In other words, I can't sit there and say, oh, Crystal's got enough. Lord, she do You know, she, you, she's she got enough. Uh, how about taking care of me? You can't have, I can't have anger thoughts against you and, and have a peace of mind with myself. I can't be jealous of you and feel good about myself. And because our, our minds are complicated, but they're also simple. We can't hold two thoughts at one time, a negative and a positive at one time. And we'll tend to be ruled by the one that we hold the most. You know, that's where we say thoughts are things. I said, we got a little book. It's 96 pages. It's called the Your Greatest Power, P-O-W-R. It's a power to choose. It's written by a psychologist, J. Martin Cohey. And, mm -hmm. uh, and uh, it's a choices. 
it's we're the only we're the only thing out around it's got prior choices but we make so, choices they become habits and the habits define who we are good or bad habits you make too many choice bad choices they lock you up you know life's a failure but we, <laughs> we can determine that ourselves <laughs> yeah i wanted to just kind of jump in there related to you know what i was saying about about the different types of fear and so even even with that fear is a choice and fear for some people becomes becomes a habit oh yes yes and, and it's it's it's, I used the quote on the Devil. It was not on the book, but I put it on it. It'll come another hill, right? He said, fear was a man-made devil. For I give an example the kids would understand. The little boys all told all his life about the ghosts and the and booger mans and all this other stuff in the right. cemetery. He played a little league ball and they played too late. It's getting it get dark on him before he had to go home. So he goes by the cemetery, and that's all that's on his mind. He's got to go by the cemetery. It's on the way home. He's got to go by the cemetery. Time he got home, he was, his eyes is bugged. He was sweating, and his little heart was about to jump out. And he said something got him by the neck. Uh, and uh, and uh, when he finally calmed down, something had something was on his something was on his neck, but it wasn't a it wasn't a ghost. But in his mind, something got him, and that's the same thing. You know, it's I read the story of a kid in the house and it's storming out and everything's fine. But all of a sudden, it's dark and everything, and they hear a noise every few seconds. There's a noise inside the house. It's, he knows it's somebody breaking in on And all it is is a wind blowing and a tree's too close to the house. A limb would blow and hit the, hit the side of the house and make a noise. But he's, but the kids sit there and imagine they're, they're about to break in. They're about to get me. They're going to get me. They're going to get me. And they couldn't reason it out to think about getting up and looking and seeing what was happening because they let their mind, they let their mind go negative. And uh, right. uh, it, it can destroy, it can destroy you because I know you've heard that. Hey, said, some guy says later in life was, he said, I learned, I learned 90% of the stuff that I worried about never happened. And most of the other stuff that, that you worried about, you couldn't have done nothing with them. It's only a small percentage you can do something with them. But most of it's just a, I guess we would say a figment of our imagination. It's in our mind, and our mind can play tricks on us um, if we're not careful. Well, and, and it's what we conceive. So it, it's, you know, what did, what did we conceive in our mind? What, what, did, what was the picture, the mental picture that we placed in our mind that made something real that, that was not real? And what was the self-talk, like you're talking about the auto-suggestions that, that we placed there uh, that, that were, were not real? Some things may have happened in the past, but that's the past. And your future can be different than that if you, if you even help yourself by the self-talk because people can can compliment you all they want but if you don't believe it yourself then you still won't be able to do it absolutely and you know even from a good book not just quoting my bible but he said job without a vision my people perish and i said it's it's really not that complicated but as i told the students yesterday several hundred students here at the, at the college there were high school kids fbla future business leaders i said was that uh most people spend more time planning where they're going on vacation than they do planning their life, even even where they're going to go to have their next meal. But they never sit down and do a plan for their life because they don't have the they don't have the confidence that they can accomplish. They said they like to do this, they like to do that, but they don't have a burning desire and they don't have a belief that they can accomplish it. Because without a belief system is that we can accomplish, why waste your effort? You know, you mm-hmm. try something a little bit and say, "Well, my wife told me that's crazy." I ought to know better, or my brother or somebody else told me, you know, and so 
Uh, Hill's on tape saying, how many times on the average do you think someone tries something before they give up? And the audience would holler, one, two, three, five, or something. He said, no, I said the average. He said the average is right. one, because most people don't even start. And they said they had an idea of oh, this, 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 but they never done anything about it. And I know uh, I'm investing in the stock market, and my wife wasn't educated in the business part of the world was, and, and I think she thought at times that maybe I was too risky or whatever. Of course, she, she changed her mind real quick. But, uh, but uh, I told her that taking no risk in, in life was the biggest risk of all. Mm-hmm. We, we have to risk failure. I know we, got, we won't get into politics, but like, like people like to develop a system where there's no chance of failure. Without chances of failures, there'd be no such thing as success. We have to learn to deal. We have to learn to deal deal with it. And to me, it's real, real easy. And I've done some. I've done some absolute doozies in the in the business world. But the thing of it is, if you take them as your failure, then you're sunk. If you take them, it was a lesson learned. I mean, it's right. no difference in touching the stove. Uh, you know, it's, uh, you, real quick, you said, "I'm not going to do that no more." You know, you, but it doesn't. It doesn't mean that it had no value. Well, even Hill said he he had. There were basically interviews by mail and so forth, fill out forms. He said he learned more from the twenty five or one time twenty five, one time ten thousands of people affairs. He learned more from them, and he did from uh, he did from uh, uh, from uh, studying successful people because uh, you know I remember Jim Rowan, one of my guys I used to listen to, who's passed on, but. He said that when when Paul's explaining things in the Bible, he was saying he was saying uh, this is what the good people did. Uh, you you learn lessons from them. These people over here, you learn from what not to do. And, and he said the only thing I'm telling you, if you ever get in a book, see if you can't be the good example instead of the instead of the instead of the uh, of the bad bad example. Right. And yeah, in, in the book that is, is right here behind me, Flint Out Loud, a, a book that I'm publishing as well, it has at the top that sometimes life lessons come from where you least expect. And so even with the, the, the comment about touching the stove, there's so many different lessons that you can learn from that, not just that the stove is hot and don't do it again. There's a lot of ways that you can extrapolate that and learn lessons from that. Uh, and um, going back to Napoleon Hill, you know, just talking about don't let let fear and insecurity stop you from trying new things. And a lot of people are just stuck in, in complacency. And that's something that I talk about a lot as well, is that uh, complacency is just breeded sometimes by people just fearing new things or, or fearing failure. So they, they just don't even try. And so... Um, I really appreciate uh, you you sharing that that story. Well, you're very welcome. I can remember one. Uh, uh, people always ask me because you know I developed land and sold to Walmart and nursing homes and office buildings and Dollar General stores and pizza places and spring water and cable TV. I've done lots and lots of things. Mm-hmm. And and, uh, and I get asked over and over, "What's the best deal you ever done?" I said, "Probably the one I didn't do." I said, "Because you can't do every you can't do uh, everything, but you have to take." Uh, uh, you do you do have to take risk. And I remember one was funny. I love art. I took art history in uh, college, and I keep I keep draw a straight line. But I do love art, and I got to collecting paintings. And I met a guy from through the University of Virginia. He was a Fulbright scholar. He taught at Moscow University, and he was telling me that uh, his stepfather 
it's an actor, you say his name, Eugene Kumanov or something like that. He painted a screen set for the movie War and Peace. And so he's quite famous in Russia. And I said, well, I'd be interested in some of his art. So I started buying his art. And it's a long story, but I started buying his art paintings. I kept some and some I auctioned off. And I had sold stuff through Sotheby's and other places that I attend state sales award. And I've done real well, real, real well. You know, they basically charge you 15%. You come out in the catalog, it's got your name in there and all that. You know, and it wasn't the money. It was just the idea of doing something, accomplishing something. And so I did one to a, a art uh, auction house in Bethesda, Maryland, and uh, in D.C. area. And I found out there were a lot of rich Russians in the area, and I thought those paintings might. And so I had a good uh, a friend was in the business. And so I, I signed up. I think it were about 10 years ago, and I sent them to them, and we actually went up there, and it was a prestigious gathering. They served a wine. never been something like that. They served wine and cheese and all this other stuff. We sat down, they started auctioning stuff off, and they get to my get to some of my paintings. I didn't bring what I thought it was. I mean, you know, I said, gosh, I never kept it and give it away. But what I didn't do was, and it's my own fault, I thought it's funny. All I would have done is a contract I signed if this painting doesn't bring $7,500 or what I want, but it does not sell. Well, because it had never come up before because I sold stuff through Sotheby's that, you know, mm-hmm. you know, done so well and so forth and all. And I thought, yeah, Don, you're good at this. And, but then I did them. Some of them, I think they were maybe two or three of them, didn't even bring what I had paid for. But wow. I, could, I could have quit and said, well, I'm not going to miss the art no more. I can't, I'm, I'm a failure, but I said, hey, I, next time I do a contract, it'll have a minimum in it or it won't sell. So, you know, I, I thought, I did not take it as a defeat. I just simply thought it was a lesson I learned. Right. And it, lessons lessons that we learn, like I said, can come from, from anywhere. Yeah, yeah. So if we make ourselves better or make better choices the next time, then, then it was still a good thing. So we want to go ahead and take our next break. And I promise, I promise uh, for our listeners, we are going to talk about Don's new book that's coming out. Um, it's just so, so awesome just to just sit and listen to you and all of your wisdom uh, and being able to, to share, you know, your own thoughts and your own wisdom as well as some of the teachings of Napoleon Hill. So uh, the time just continues to just move on and on. We're just going to go ahead and take this last break. And when we get back, We're going to hear about this book that's coming out in November, I promise. Back right after this. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com Want to shift someone's destiny? Calling all CPAs, a.k.a. community and corporate partners in action. Become a community liaison or a corporate sponsor for our Give Hope Drives for the homeless and needy families. Donate tax-deductible funds, food, blankets, and books. Sponsor and serve our monthly luncheon, mentor a youth, or go on a foreign mission and make a difference. Contact our Soaring with Eagles radio show host, Crystal at your team at buildthatbiz.com or visit our nonprofit page at fullcolormovement.com. Live up to your fullest potential. This is the Voice America Empowerment Channel. You are listening to Soaring with Eagles with Crystal Richardson. Now, back to our show. 
Greetings, everyone, and welcome to our last segment of the show today. We are on with the Don Green. He is the CEO, Executive Officer of the Napoleon Hill Foundation, and uh, it's been really great just just listening to you, Don, and and uh, a number of the the stories that you've you've shared with us, uh, true stories, you know of of what you've done in your life and just continuing to promote the principles and legacy. So let's get right in to your book. You have a book coming out, correct? Well, uh, th- this is one is already out. Uh, I, I was, this, this is uh, everything I know about success. I learned from Napoleon Hill. Right. I, actually it's with McGraw Hill. And um, so many people requested, I said, well, yeah, I can tell some stories and, uh, and uh, maybe I'll raise some money for the kids scholarships. I was looking for money. But it's on audio book. It's McGraw Hill, and it's on uh, audio with Brilliant's audio, not my voice. Uh, but um, uh, anyway, it was fun. There's a lot of stories in there. My dad was an underground coal miner with seventh grade education. They grew up in mm-hmm. depression. Uh, even I grew up. I didn't have a. We didn't have. A, we didn't have a running water or bathroom house until I was up got up in high school. Uh, so, uh, but uh, um, I guess we had some principles instilled in us like hard work and so forth and, and learning. But here's, here's a little book. That, it's just a proof copy. It, uh, uh, I'll have a hundred copies uh, here, here in a few days, but uh, it'll be okay. November. It's, and uh, they actually, they hired me to write it. St. Martin's Press, I got to call me editor, wanted me to do a book on using the heel stuff on the, on the wealth. It was going to cause a little book on wealth. And when I put it together and sent it to them, uh, they got in touch with me. And said so they just love the thing, did, but did I care if they changed the title? I said, you guys have already paid me. You paid the foundation. I said, uh, great. And they wanted to call it Success, Discovering the Path to Riches because I, I wrote about the uses of money and so forth. And because mm-hmm. I use a lot of heel quotes and stuff in it. But uh, they absolutely love the book. And it'll, it's got a, it's got a, a large uh, publicity uh, package. And they expect, in fact, is I've licensed overseas quite a few times already because I got the PDL file and that's all they need. But I don't have the hardback uh, books, but I'll see that you get a copy of them. And okay, yeah, that'll be great. And it, it comes out on November. What? What? It's November the twelfth, I believe. Or is it's already, It's up as a pre-order already on Amazon. And this okay. is this is what the cover looks like, except it's. Except it's this is just a proof copy. It's a little small thing. But yeah, I was just on Amazon and and I didn't see. I'll have to just check it again. I didn't. I didn't see the the pre order copy. Yeah, it's it's on our under. Well, it's under success discovering a path of riches. Napoleon Hill because it's all Napoleon Hill material. Uh, <laughs> my name will appear on the my name will appear on the inside. But uh, I I felt like it's uh, trying to take something w- away from him if I take. Everything I do based on Napoleon Hill, his quotes and uh, and following the power of attraction and so forth, what I learned from him, and then put Don Green as the author. I'm not, I am not promoting Don Green. Okay, I've got enough tension in my life, and uh, I'm promoting Napoleon Hill because I'm raising money for education. In fact, is I gave him a hundred thousand dollars yesterday. Uh, we've got a couple million dollars in endowment here in scholarships. Mm-hmm. And the stories I could tell you, story after story after story. Zane, my assistant, I hired with the age of fourteen to work for me. We had to get a work permit because his his sister worked for me for six years. She's a pharmacist today. His grandmother worked for me for seventeen years, and uh, he knew computers because his mom taught computers in school. I started mm-hmm. ten dollars an hour, and him fourteen years old, twenty hours a week. The kid started in college at age seventeen. 
he had not, not only he had a checking account, he had a Roth IRA retirement account at age 17, and he had an account set up buying stocks, and the kid's 17 years old. And so he's 24 now, and he's been with me 10 years, two years full time. So just to be able to have the influence with, it, with some young people like that, and see them mature and all. It's just, it, uh, hey, listen, Chris, I'm, I won't go around and tell my age, but I'm almost 79 years old. I was married for 54 years. My wife passed away four years ago. I don't even have to be doing this. The board asked me, Don, how long are you going to work? I said, somebody up there has got that answer to it because I love what I do. It's not work. A uh, quote from Albert Hubbard the last time I saw, I was at Grove Park Inn a few weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Of course, Albert Hubbard was one of the people that he read. He, he and his wife died on the Lithuania when the German torpedo sunk it. He's on the way to Europe. But anyway, he had a sign up. It says, if you can't find happiness in your work, you'll never find happiness in your life. And to me, that's, that's, that sells a lot. Because I got friends, I'm sure you got friends, that I can't stand the thoughts I have to go back to work Monday. Or, you know, I can't, I can't wait for Friday or what have you. I'm on campus, University of Virginia, and I get out and I'm doing something or other. I've been golf or something or other on the weekend or something or other after church or something. Or other, and I'll have something on my mind. And I come by here and sit over, and I think it's a privilege that, uh, that, uh, that uh, you know, I can, I can, uh, I can be doing something or you know, other, have an idea and, 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 uh, and, uh, and whatever. You don't feel like uh, time. I, I don't, it's not, it's not stressful. It's, uh, it's it's such rewarding. I mean, I can't explain. Uh, the uh, I met some couple in California that read the book. Now you let them use some quotes, but they're a story in herself. They came here from Armenia. It's, you know, they were part of genocide. There's only about a million of them left. Uh, I guess a Turkish or what almost wiped them out. Oh wow! Think think and grow rich. And so back this, I was in Pasadena, and I was able to go by and, and eat at their pizza place, and they would think about letting me play. And I let them use quotes on on the on Napoleon Hill. But to, but to publish Think and Grow Rich and get two copies in Armenia, knowing that's the language Christ spoke. There's only about a million of them left. It's basically a dying it's a dying language. And I don't know, you know, get them to get the books. I felt I felt happier with that when I sold than when I sold a piece of land and made a lot of money. It just—I don't know. It's—it's. It's, I guess it's hard to explain, but. Uh, but it, it, what's you love? It, it's what you love, and, and you've been ingrained in it. Like you said, even before you joined the foundation, you—you uh, you had read the book, and and we're putting the philosophies in place, right? Yes, and I mean, you know, the kids and all that. The stories are over and over and over uh, because we only have around twenty some scholars that we're sending to college. And of course, I've done many, many, many myself. And uh, it, it's just a tremendous feeling. I, I don't think people understand Acts 2035, it's more blessed to give than to receive. Right. In fact, is I'm doing another book. It, it, uh, I'm doing a book with a uh, publisher. It gave me all the money from it. it was just the idea was terrific. It's a gift of giving. And I, mm-hmm. and I, I contributed one chapter to it. And it'll be out in the spring. I'm doing it with Jim Stowall and Sound Wisdom. It's a gift of giving, and we're telling stories about how people have have uh, benefited from legacies or money left and so forth. So, so I use the quote in mind is, it's out of Psalms. It says, the rich who give freely will be made richer. Those that withhold what's due will only suffer. And I mean, it, uh, I'm not preaching or anything. I'm not a preacher. But we, we can read wisdom like that. And if you don't make a stop and think, um, I, I just feel, I would feel sorry for someone that don't understand. Right, well, the- 
the philosophies, you know, Napoleon Hill speaks to that himself, you know, related to giving back and finding something uh, where you can can give back. And, and you know, we have a, uh, a nonprofit as well. And we talk about the fact that kindness matters. And we talk about the fact that, you know, like you said, it's more blessed to give than receive. And some people, it's not even where you have to give money or even give, give any other than your smile. And your smile is free to give. And so... I really like that part, you know, related to Napoleon Hill. And, and when I when I do, you know, various summaries, when I just have the this, this show where it's just me talking and I don't have a guest, uh, that's a lot of what we go into because you see the title, Think and Grow Rich. You see that title and, and people immediately think rich in, with money. And, and, it, and it's related to a lifestyle. It's related to, you know, the whole give back model is not, you know, that he talks about is not related to, to being rich. You can give money, but you can also give of yourself. Well, yeah, absolutely. Sometimes the words, we can encourage one another. It doesn't cost nothing. My mom was, my mom was 90 and dad had been dead close 20 years. He's beat up in the coal mines and the miners live about 20 years less than the average males do. It's a dangerous profession. But mom lived alone, but she visited her nursing home and so forth. And I can even remember a story of a guy who served prison time, was a neighbor, he got hurt, got on drugs. And uh, she found out when he was getting released and uh, she baked a cake and took to the took to the house to welcome him. And uh, she visited a nursing home and, uh, and she had a little book she would call. I was out there. She was a lady was named Laura. I remember the name. She said, now, Laura, if you took your medicine, now when is it you go to the doctor? Now, have you got a ride? Because Laura didn't have, she didn't drive. A lot of women then didn't drive. My mom was on her. Wait just one moment, Don. I want you to finish your story, but we're going to have to sign off of Voice America. We will not be signing off of uh, Facebook Live or um, Zoom. So thank you all on Voice America for listening today. If you want to catch the rest of this story and the rest of this talk, feel free to uh, send me your information, g3qara at gmail.com. Uh, you can listen back for that and uh, you can get the information. Thank you very much, Voice America. Thank you for tuning in to Soaring with Eagles. Please join Crystal Richardson again on the Voice America Empowerment Channel for another edition. Let's soar together, give back to our communities, and change the world.